Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for tonight's V Brown Bag. I'm your host, Tom Green, and tonight we're going to talk about some REST APIs and consuming them with uh, PowerShell. And we're best to start than with vSphere because we all love our VMs. Uh, to help us through that, we're going to have Joshua Stenhouse present. He's going to, to walk us through with a 100% live demo from what I hear. Uh, before we let Josh take over the reins, we are a global presence. Our, we have shows all through um, the world, Brazil, Europe, U.S., Latin America. If you have a preferred time or another language that you would love to, to learn on, go to vbrownbag.com slash brownbags and sign up. If you'd like to present, go uh, tweet at me or at vbrownbag and just let us know. We, we always love to have uh, people come in. And I'll be manning Twitter. If you tweet hashtag vbrownbag, I will be sure to get the questions to Josh. And it's going to be a agile show, so you know, keep them coming. So Josh, uh, take it away. Thanks, Tom. Right, let me uh, share my screen. If you just make me presenter, please. Thank you very much. And then if you just let me know if you can see my screen, that'd be great. I'll switch to audience view. Yep, I got it. All right, good. So just a forewarning, if you're watching this live or remote, this is going to be hands-on. I want everybody to get your hands ready to do some PowerShell action and, and actually partake because my promise to you is that by the end of this recording that you are going to be able to authenticate and query a REST API. And I'm going to give you examples of working with vSphere, but also show you how the same sample script and methodology you can use to authenticate against any REST API using PowerShell. So it's really going to open up the, the Pandora's box of what you can and can't do because as you know with PowerShell, you're limited to the commands and the modules that are already built by other people. And with invoke REST method that's built into, I believe every PowerShell version from two onwards, which covers most modern operating systems, you have the ability to go to any REST RESTful API service, be it a local piece of infrastructure, a website, you name it, authenticate and query it, and then programmatically do whatever you want with it. So I'm going to hopefully give you that capability. You can do with it as you please. But as I go through this session, just a, a quick forewarning, I'm using a Steel Series headset, and it's perfect on WebEx, it's perfect on Zoom, but for some reason on GoToWebinar, GoToMeeting, it thinks that it's inactive and it turns itself off after 15, 20 minutes. So if I disappear for 30 seconds, rest assured I will be back and I'm just turning my headset back on. So here you can see I've got uh, my vCenter and this is uh, everything I'm going to demo is vSphere 6.5 onwards. So you need 6.5 in order to interact with the, the REST API. Uh, Tom just asked me, am I going to demo on 6.7? And given that was just out, I, I most definitely haven't updated my lab. And I don't know if there are any new REST API calls available. I'm, I'm hoping that there are, but uh, we'll have to check that when I've updated and, and see what's now available. So I, I want everybody, if you've got access to a 6.5 vCenter, get this screen up, You know, connect via your VPN. Let's get it up because there's no better way 
to learn than to do this yourself as you go along. And as you can see on the, the default screen here, we even have the, the link in the bottom right hand corner saying browse vSphere REST APIs. So this is new, only in 6.5 onwards, and by no means is this a complete set of APIs. You know, vSphere is not a REST API first architecture. These are very much bolted on, and this is the first version. So it is very limited in its scope, but the key point is just giving you an introduction to show how you can start consuming this, because what I think we can safely say is, yes, there's a big argument of SOAP APIs versus REST APIs, but I think most modern platforms are all going REST APIs and JSON, and they're moving away from SOAP and XML. That's the standard that most are going to. So if you don't already know how to interact with REST APIs and JSON, then now is a good time to start learning. And actually on that point, if we talk about, well, why would you even use this versus just using PowerCLI when PowerCLI has got pretty much everything and um, you know, the, the REST API is, is a limited first version. And the positioning I have there is, of course, you know, for your day-to-day -day tasks, are you going to switch everything away from PowerCLI to the REST APIs today? No way. No way, because it's too limited. And I'll show you as, you go, as we go through this what you can and can't do, but I'm sure you'll come to the same conclusion. But what is important, that if you need to expand your own skill set to say, yeah, I can work with REST APIs, I, I can authenticate and interact, what, what do you want me to do? If you're going to learn that, then the best way to learn it is on a platform that you already know, where we all know VMs, port groups, and data stores. So given the construct of something you already know, throw in REST APIs so you're just learning that one new piece, put them together, and it gives you a, a really good springboard to then to move forward from it. So hopefully by this point, everybody's now got the vCenter open, you've clicked on the link, or you can just type API Explorer on the end of your URL for your vCenter, and you're gonna get VMware's implementation of Swagger or the open API spec. So this is a, if, you, if you're new to Swagger, you haven't heard of it before, it's basically a built-in documentation slash interactive document that's built into most REST APIs, allowing you to see what's available actually on the version rather than reading an offline PDF and also interact with it and see what results you get from the different API queries. And even though I'm gonna be showing you PowerShell, what I also wanna show you is how you use both Swagger and an API Explorer together with PowerShell, and we're gonna merge the two together and show how you get data from one to the other and, and vice versa and, and work them together. So we need the API Explorer open, and then the next thing is we need to get you started with some PowerShell scripts because you know one thing's for sure is there are not many people in this world that can crack open a PowerShell window and start writing a thousand lines of code from scratch and have a perfect script that runs first time. I'd question that's probably nobody. You're always going to start with some example, whether that's from your own existing examples or somebody's that you've copied online. So that's where I want to take you to next. So you can type the URL or you can just load up Google. And what I want you to type in is virtually sober with a space in between, and then introduction PowerShell REST API. So that's gonna be the, the query, and hopefully one of the top results is gonna be this blog post here, or you can just go to virtuallysober.com and then scroll down the list of posts, and you're gonna see this introduction to PowerShell REST API authentication. And this is a post that, so this is my blog, 
where I share all my PowerShell examples and sometimes thoughts and musings on the industry and, and sales engineering. And this is a post that I put up on January the 4th, as you can see, and it's proven to be pretty popular because what I'm doing in this post is not just showing you how to interact with a, a one specific REST API. So you're gonna to go to the blog and on this post, we're gonna give you multiple different examples of how to authenticate with vSphere 6.5, with Zerto, Nutanix, and also Rubrik. And what I'm showing you in this post is the similarities between each REST API. And here you can see, so the authentication strings for all four RESTful APIs. And the important reason that I'm giving you this example here is what I found in the last three, four years of, of working with these REST APIs is that the hardest thing is authenticating because every single vendor has great documentation of what you can query once you're in there. But where it always falls down is how do I even get there using PowerShell? So on this post here, um, you can just go straight to it and you can just copy and paste and then the hardest bit is gone and then you can actually focus on what you really need which is actually getting the data in. So on this post you can just copy and paste from these windows and then I give you examples of how you then get the different content like a, a, a in fact actually how you get the authentication header and then how you get for example a list of VMs in each of the different platforms. So if you scroll about halfway down what I want everyone watching this to do uh, is click on this zip file here. So it's under full examples and then the VMware section. And you in, your, in this zip file, if we open it up, then you're gonna have an intro to vCenter REST APIs v1 demo.ps1. So if you unzip that and then open it up in your preferred script editing solution, I like to keep it simple and, and just use PowerShell ISC, but Whatever your preferred method is, is completely up to you. And I'm just going to give you a couple of seconds to, to open that up. So once you've opened it up, we got standard uh, disclaimers all the way through to line 23. And what I want you to configure first on line 24, REST API server. So this is going to be the DNS or IP of your vCenter because that's what we're going to connect to. So please edit that to be specific to your environment. And then from 26 to 29, what you can actually see is this is just a, a pre-written example where we're going to prompt for credentials to then use to authenticate. So for the purpose of this demo, please keep it like this. But if you want to change it to store them in plain text, store them securely, whatever you want to do, you can do. But this is just purely for demo. Let's prompt for credentials. We enter them. And then if we go down, what I've done is I've separated this script into three regions or three parts, which I'm going to take you through so you can see the logical steps in authenticating with a REST API. So I'm going to work through them one by one, and then we're going to come back and we're going to run it, and we're going to see the, the different results you get, and I'll explain it as we go along. So the first section that we've got is we're going to add a certificate exemption to prevent API errors. And, and what this simply means is that I can't trust that for the majority of VMware deployments out there or pretty much every single you know, internal service that you have going, if it has a REST API, I can't guarantee that that is a trusted certificate on the host in which you're running the script. I'd hazard a guess it's probably at least 70% have no trusted script. 
therefore we're going to throw this in there to remove any issues because if it doesn't trust the script and you don't have this exception you can't powershell will not let you authenticate with that rest api now one slight caveat here is if you're using powershell 6 or powershell core as they call it then you don't need to add this and this won't even work because this is in .NET and you're using the slimdown.net core and so that you if you are using 6.0 then please just delete this from your example because you don't need it but anything prior to 6.0 you need to keep that in if we go to line 53 down then the next thing we can see is we're first building a url to authenticate so where do we go to actually put in our username and password and we're going to use that url to request authentication but then pull back on authentication token which we're then going to use on all the subsequent queries the next url that we're building is just a base url for all the subsequent queries what is the common string at the start of every url that we're going to use and in, in vmware it's rest and vcenter and if we go and, and look at for example swagger let's go down here and let's look at vm then we can see vcenter slash vm so everything's always going to start with vcenter. It has rest behind it. So we know that's our standard URL. Then the next thing is we're going to add the session URL. We're putting the header type. So we're encoding in UTF-8 the username and password that we just entered. We're putting the type as application JSON. And then we're going to authenticate with the REST API where we're doing a try and a catch. And in the try, we're invoking REST method. We've got the vCenter session URL that we just built, the header where we've got our authentication, uh, username and password. The method is post, and in the content type, it's application JSON. And once we've got that header, we're capturing the response and assigning it to a variable. And from that, we then need to pull the value and assign that into a session header which is then what we're gonna use on every subsequent query to pull data from this REST API. And every single vendor has a slightly different part here. And some even have a, a different header that they require for authentication. But consistently, I've yet to see a single vendor on this slide 69 have the exact same format for pulling the authentication header and then actually building that for subsequent queries. So. One important thing when you're looking at this, if we go back to the post, as you can see, so if we come back here and let's go to section four, where we can see we're doing, for example, vCenter session response, invoke REST method. And then when we're pulling the session ID from the response, here you can see the format, VMware API session ID equals vCenter session response dot value. Of course, that's a lot of text related to VMware. That's not going to work in any other platform. If we go down to Rubrik, what does it say? Rubrik's actually more standard than the format for the session header is authorization, bearer, and then the token. Zerto's different again. We can see the session response. You actually, as of 5.0 update three onwards, you have to also put the content type in the session header for Zerto. So that's a little trick there. And the reason Nutanix isn't there, because with Nutanix, I didn't actually find yet a way to get an authentication token, and you just pass the credentials to each API call. But that's explained in the post. And then once we've got this 
authentication token, the next thing is we're going to query the API and we're going to get a list of VMs, the most basic thing that we can get. And so first of all, we're going to build the URL that we want to query, which is the base URL plus VM. And we can map that to Swagger that we see here. So we go to that, get on vCenter VM, and we're doing a method get here on the vCenter VM. We've got the session header that we've pulled the token from above. We're specifying the content that we want back, which is JSON. And then from that JSON, we're going to pull the data out and we're going to assign that to the variable VM list. And then what I'd like you to do is just comment out 84 because we actually want to output the table to the host to see what are you giving me back from this REST API. So we're only going to run region one. So if you select from region one up, and you don't have to run the top, of course, because it's all comments. But so region one up and to line 24. So here, just to run you through again, we're specifying our server. This is my local vCenter. I'm using the IP. Could easily just be the DNS. I'm asking for the credentials. I'm specifying a security exception because you can see I don't trust the certificate. I'm authenticating with the REST API. I'm pulling a session header. And then I'm going to get a list of VMs. And if my vCenter survived my power cut, we're going to get just that. So it's asking for my vCenter login. No different here, of course, to just logging in by the vSphere web client. So whatever credentials you use there, perfectly acceptable to use this for your first run here. And there you go. That's authenticated and pulled a list of VMs in quicker than it just took me to take a sip of my drink. That is probably one of the reasons why the people are switching to REST APIs because they are fast and they are responsive. So let's uh, make this full screen and let's take a look at what we got here. So this is the, the content that we've got back in JSON format from the vSphere REST API. And this is where you're going to start to see that this is definitely work in progress from VMware because when just querying a list of VMs, we've got the memory size, the VM MoRef, the VM name, the power state, and the CPU count. And on this VM query, that's it. So, you know, in comparison to get VM in PowerCLI, this is obviously very limited in, in the information that you get back. But that's not to say that we're limited to just this information because I'm going to show you how you can get more. But if we relate this back to if we go back to Swagger. So one cool thing in Swagger is if you click in the top right and then we click log in, we can put in our same credentials. So I'm just going to do now. And then we can run the same get. So we just expand it down, scroll down. And I'm going to click try it out. And what you can see in the response body, the exact same information that we've now got in PowerShell. Here you can see that we're matching exactly what we've got in Swagger and the API Explorer, and then we're pulling that back, and we're also showing the same in PowerShell. And then if I show you, like, what have we got in the different URLs here? So we've got our authentication URL that it built. So you can see restcom VMware CIS. Again, you don't have to know this. Just copy the example, and then you're good to go. The base URL, REST vCenter. We've got a session URL, which we built off the two. Just put session on there. Could argue maybe I don't need to do that. 
for whatever reason, when I created it, I decided that was my best practice. And then let's look at our session response. So if this didn't authenticate, I would not have this value here. And an interesting thing you can do is in the catch and response, one thing I recently wrote for somebody was actually specifically catching the message details of invalid username and password and then throwing that back and, and basically, you know, rather than just erroring out and them having to decipher, finding that error and saying, look, you specified the wrong username and password, this is never going to work. And then we can actually see if we do vCenter session response value, we can see I've just called out the code on its own. And then if we look at the header, then it's wrapped it up. And then that's what we're going to use on every subsequent query. Then we built a VM list URL. So rest vCenter VM. We got the JSON back. So you can see value. And then this is in a JSON format. Now, that's no use to us in PowerShell. We need to get the values, which is what we're then doing on this line here. And then that's what then brings us to the VM list, which we just output. So I'm going to pause for a second there. And everybody watching this, if you're watching it live, then feel free to throw a question in now. I'm going to wait a second. And if you're doing it remote, I'm just going to give you a second anyway to, to get to where I'm at and throw any questions in if, if you're live. And if you haven't got vSphere 6.5, I apologize. Maybe we should just get your grader. Yeah, we've we've got a few comments of uh, people running five five. Uh, five five. Oh, that is painful. I uh, I actually was recently working with a customer who I shall not name, and um, they had serious problems with uh, vSphere five five and snapshot consolidation. And the the basic advice from VMware was. We're not going to do a root cause analysis. You should just upgrade to 6.0 because it's vastly improved. So 5.5 uh, yeah. does pain me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I live that life on the other on the, the customer end. It was not pleasant. Yeah. But yeah, I think everybody's uh, rest. So we're all good? So we're all good. Well, everyone's restful. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, so let's start with section two. So let's do something more interesting because... As I said, you can see the information here is very, very limited. This is next to useless other than just proving that we've authenticated. So how do we get more information than this? So now let's go back to Swagger because Swagger and the API here is going to tell us. And what I'm first going to do, so I'm going to pick a VM. Let's pick my Ubuntu VM 12, and I'm going to copy its MoRef. So VM hyphen. 1025, and I'm just going to collapse this down. So what you'll see on the next call is we've got a get on vCenter VM and then the VM MoRef, which is going to return more information about that VM. And you can see the example value. So we're going to see parallel ports, boot settings, disks. We're going to see the hardware versions, the guest OS. We're going to see NICs, power state, memory, basically all the things that you'd really be looking for when you do a get VM are in here. So if we scroll down, what we can see on the parameters, the number one required parameter, the only required parameter is the VM MoRef. So I just copied and pasted one from the previous example, and I'm going to put that in here. And then we're going to click try it out. And here we can see in the response body for this VM, now I can see its memory size, whether hot ads on there, I can see its data store the disks, 
keep scrolling down. I can see whether it's Nick's connected. It's confirming the name. Yep, you asked for more information on Ubuntu VM12 and it's powered on. So this is all the information that we really need. But this is just for one VM. How are we going to repeat this for all the VMs? And similarly, how are we going to get e even more information from this? So this is where you know PowerShell is great because we all know, hopefully, that you can just, once you've got a list of VMs, and this is our list again, for each of these VMs, I've got the MoRef. So all I need to do is, for each VM in the VM list, I'm going to first assign the MoRef to a variable. And then I'm going to build the URL string. So to get more VM info, build the URL. And then I'm going to call that same API. So you can see I'm just taking a try, um, outputting it to this variable. So invoke REST method, REST method, VM info URL. I've got my header in there. I've got the content type. I'm pulling the same data. And then I've got a catch in there. And then once I've got that VM info assigned to that variable, then I'm pulling all of that data. So VM info CD-ROMs count, memory, disks, all that information I'm assigning to variables. And what I'm doing is I'm creating a, a hash table and an array of that information. So you can see at the top in your example, you've got three different tables that we're creating, a VM array, a disk array, and a NIC array. And the reason that we're doing three is that, of course, you can have multiple NICs and multiple disks per VM. So we're collecting three different sets of information, which we're going to show at the end. So we collect all the VM information, and then we're putting that in the VM array. We go down. Then for each NIC in the NICs list, then we're going to do the same thing. We're going to assign the variables. We're going to put them in a table. So you can see the plus equals just adds that line into the table. And then we're doing the same for disks. And one additional thing for the disks is that the capacity is in bytes. That's not really useful to anybody. So we're converting that into gigabytes and terabytes for you as well and just rounding it to a more useful number. Putting that in a table. And then just handily here, it says end of for each VM below, above. I just like to add that to make it clear where that bracket closes. And then we're going to output the results. And this is the end of region two. So I'm going to select from the end of region two. We're going to go up. We're already authenticated. Uh, you know, if this was an extended period of time, you might need to run the start again just because you might your session might have expired. I'm not sure on the default timeout. But I'm just going to run region two on its own. And this is going to take a little bit longer because if you've seen for each VM in my list, it's going to make one API call and then pull all that information out and put it in the tables. Now, pulling the information and put it in tables is lightning fast for however many objects you want, but making the, the actual API query is, is what's going to slow it down a little. So I'm going to kick that off. And just as we're waiting for that, I'll take another drink. The blog is called Virtually Sober for a reason. So we do have something came in while we wait. Uh, Cal Merley says, for the vCenter session ID, I, Assume that those will likely expire periodically. Yeah, I, I'm sure somebody out there knows the default value. Uh, I don't, but just as a you know, most vendors, it's typically 15 minutes or somewhere around there. Yeah, do you have any recommendations for handling, renewing, or cycling ses sessions? So uh, you know, I, most scripts that I write, it's just one hit and done. It's very rare that they would ever 
you know, require the session to be extended for any reason. So, and the other thing I'd say, as long as you're making a query, then it's going to keep the session alive. And so any script that I have written where it needs to run, so I wrote one for one a customer where it actually permanently queries the REST API in, and the script runs forever, it's indefinite. And even in that script, I didn't have to add anything to re-authenticate because it queried it within a 10-minute cycle and it just runs for weeks and weeks and, and never needs restarting. So you could do it if you wanted to, you know, in the catch counter for now not having a, a valid session header. And then if, you know, if that's found, then set a variable and, and re-authenticate, you can do it. But for the most part, it, it, it's only ever needed when you're testing it yourself where, you know, you got distracted, you walked away and then you came back and you just need to re-authenticate. But usually in production, it doesn't matter. So if you go back to the script, now, if everything's gone well on this example, you've got all this information returned back to you in these tables. So the first table that we've got here is a list of every single hard disk, the VM name, well, the hard disk number, the VM name, the VM MoRef, the data store, the actual VMDK name, and then the capacity in terabytes and gigabytes. So we've actually got some reasonably useful information returned back here. Next, we compiled a list of every single network adapter. And again, we got, we're putting in the name, the MoRef, the NIC type, whether it's connected, the start state, it's Mac, it's type, port group, and the port group type. And then finally, we've got a list of every single VM and we've got some more information in here where now we've got the guest OS, we've got CPUs, cores, RAM, NICs, disks, power state, and hardware version. And I haven't put everything in this table because you can see like parallel ports count and stuff. But for me, that, that's kind of useless. I, I don't know who really uses that uh, floppies count. But if you wanted to add those in, so let's say if you want to add in the floppies count for whatever crazy reason, then all you got to do is just copy paste. We're going to take NICs. We're just going to going to copy it there. And then we're going to get our floppies. And then we're just going to add it in and there. And there you go. Now, if you want to add that to your table, run it again. And now you're going to see that floppy information in there. So just a simple and copy and paste. If you want to chop and change the order, then just edit to your heart's content and it's good to go. So there we've, we've got a hell of a lot more useful information from this REST API. It might not have everything, but it's given you a good idea of, of how you can start. And a useful thing here is like, you know, of course, working in virtualization, you work with potentially multiple other teams. And if somebody says, you know, especially on a, a DevOps front that they need via REST API to look at the status of a VM and the storage used, then you can actually give them this example and walk them through Swagger and say, hey, using the REST API, this is what you need to do. And, and there you go, you've got the information because a developer isn't potentially going to use or even care about using PowerShell, never mind PowerCLI. And yet you can prove out that capability and show them the REST API calls they need to make to get that data. So that for me is, is also a plus to learning this method. So that's all get requests and then putting the data into something useful that you can then filter by and, and take action on. But let's talk next about actually doing a post and pushing something back to that API to actually take an action. And the very simple demo that I'm going to give you here is, is powering on a VM.
So let's go to region three of the example script. And if you just change line 235 to be or where it says power on VM and just change that to true, I, I commented this out. Um, well, I set it to false by default just because if you run the whole script, you might not want to start powering on VMs. But then you've also got to change the name. So here I've got demo app one VM zero one, which is going to be my VM that I'm going to power on. I set this value to true. And then I just do it. If the value is true, then what we're going to do is we're going to from the VM array. So the array that the table that we built here where the object VM equals VM to power on, which is what we specified here. So where it equals demo app one VM one, I want you to select and expand the property of MoRef. So we're going to pull its MoRef from the table that we built. Using the MoRef, we're then going to build the REST API URL that we need of base URL VM, VM MoRef power start. And just to show you how that maps, oh, that's me uploading the file earlier. Just minimize that. Let's see how this looks in Swagger. So you can test this out without even building this. So you go to VM power. We can see we've got reset, start, stop, suspend. For some crazy reason, there's no shutdown. I didn't build it. If I had, there would have been a shutdown in there. I'm sure that's going to come soon. But if we do post, sorry, on start, then we see then you just need the same. So vCenter VM, the VM MoRef, power start, and you've just got to do a post. And there's there's no other requirement other than that URL. So I'm not building any any body. There's no JSON in here. It's just a simple post to this URL. And you can see there's no body in that invoke rest method. So let's now go across to my vCenter and I want to power down my VM. So this is a good demo. So let's go to apps demo VM01. We're going to shut down the guest and we'll just wait for this to, to kick off. While we're waiting for this, if you haven't checked it out already, the last time I was on, I had the pleasure of being on V Brownberg, we talked about my Hyperconverge Home Lab 2.0, which you're seeing now, my three node vSAN cluster in a cool open air chassis, uh, all flash. If you haven't checked that out, please do. It's amazing how many people have uh, looked at that since we had the V Brownberg. So thank you to everyone organizing it for pushing that and making it so popular. But if we go back, now we've got the VM powered off, we're going to go and we're going to test out a power on action. So I'm going to select from end of region three up to the start. So we've got my VM name. We've set power on VM to true and it's going to run through. And I've also had an exception in there just to say if I couldn't find the VM MoRef, then spit out an error. So that's gone through. We didn't get any errors. And there you can see the corresponding action. And for me, this is like this is the really cool aha moment because I didn't load Power CLI. I just loaded PowerShell and using the REST APIs, I, I just powered on a VM. And for me, that you know, it's the, the elixir is that I just like I feel like I almost like beat the man a little bit because you didn't give me a module. I just created that myself, and I didn't need you to give me a module and a, an option to start VM. I just went straight to the REST API. And I think ever since I, I first found out how to do this and I, I had to, then that's been kind of the reason that I've always preferred to do and use a REST API rather than a pre-built module when I can, because I would rather go straight to the source and interact with the REST API than I would take somebody's interpretation of what I might want to do. 
Um, interestingly, just to give you a bit of backstory, is that the, old, the whole reason that I, I learned how to do this was that I spent five years at Zerto, and Zerto had probably one of the worst PowerShell modules from any vendor I've ever seen, but they did have a REST API where you could actually do everything that I needed to that you couldn't do in the PowerShell module. So that's why I learned how to do this, because I just thought, well, you know, I'm just going to bypass what you've created, and I'll go straight to your REST API as a developer would, and I'll get what I want that way. And that's the way I've, I've worked ever since. So I'm really excited as this expands and VMware add more and more REST API calls that we're going to be able to do more on top of this. So that's my third example. Last one, just to wrap up. So what I've done here, line 264 down, we're going to now write our own little bit of code ourselves and actually show you how now you can take, take an existing example and tweak it to get some different information. So I've saved you the bother of going up and copying and pasting, but I just copied the example for getting a VM list. And this time, rather than getting a list of VMs, we've already got that. I want to get a list of data stores. So let's now go to Swagger. And we're going to scroll up. And I want to see what is the API call for data store. Very simple. It's just a get vCenter data store. So we've got our base URL. So we just run this on its own. We can see, so we've got REST vCenter. So very simple. I just need to change this to data store. And then because I'm going to try and follow some best practices, I don't want to use the same variables twice. So we're just going to call this data store list URL. We're going to copy that and put it in the URI field here. Then in the variable assign, we're going to keep a standard naming convention. It's going to be data store list JSON. We're then going to pull the value and then we're going to assign it to data store list. And then you're going to put that in here. So we'll format it as a table and, and show you in the console. And as if you've gone along with me now, you should have the exact same on screen that I have. And now we're going to run it actually in Swagger first to see what we get there. So let's do get data store and let's see what the API gives us. So you can see I've got my vSAN data store. I've got an NFS mount from Rubrik and then two VMFS off my um, Synology over iSCSI. So now what I'm hoping is if everything has gone right is that I'm going to see the same in PowerShell. Boom, there you go. So what we've shown you there, or what I've shown you there, sorry, is that you can authenticate, you can get a list of VMs, you can programmatically build tables of, of more information to get more than what it just gives you out of the box. And then now you can take an existing example that I've written for you, copy paste, change a, a couple of lines of code here or there, run it again. And now we've got something that we didn't even have when we started with this script. And this, of course, was all vSphere, but the same methodology, the same structure is going to work whether you're using Nutanix, whether you're using Zerto, Rubrik, or any other piece of infrastructure that you desire. And even a web service like Somebody came on my blog the other week and said, can you show me how to authenticate and get a list of events off Swoogoo or something that I'd never even heard of? And, and it was a SaaS-based application with a, a REST API. And using the same example, I had to you know, figure out the exact combination of authenticating. But once I got past that, then it was all the same calls and the, the same ease of use of getting that content and then manipulating it. So 
that's the end of my session. I hope you found this useful. And uh, any questions you want to throw out now, then it's a good time. We'll give them a few seconds if there's anyone who has any questions. Thanks for, for showing all this. And you had a comment on your hyperconverge home lab uh, post. If, if you haven't checked that out, go. It's one of the coolest things I've seen. Uh, I was lucky enough to be watching live. I wasn't wasn't hosting, but it was just really cool to see that and the discussions it has um, sparked since then of just people just being completely jealous. And and even better, it just survived a power cut. So my the tiny desktop UPS that I put on there for $150 did its job. <laughs> So expect a post on his blog soon about uh, surviving disaster in your home lab. I just yeah, so the, I, I now I need one for my monitor laptop and, and one on my uh, router, or router as we call it in America, <laughs> and, uh, and then, then we're good. So the lab stayed up, but everything else in the house went bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, so th we do have... Graham has said he doesn't have a question, but he's tried to avoid direct API so far, but this gives him the inspiration to dig in. Yeah, I thank you for that feedback, and I, and I like that because you, you shouldn't be scared of this. And the sooner you embrace it and learn it, especially on something that we all know and love in VMware, then the, the more powerful, pun intended, with PowerShell you're going to be because... Uh, you know, when when you can interact with any REST API and, and and do whatever you want, it really does give you the confidence that no matter what the use case of the platform, if somebody asks if I can do something, I say, does it have a REST API? If they say yes, then I say, done, no problem. And before that, I was stuck to, well, do you have a PowerShell module? No? Uh, then, And even if they had a PowerShell module, I had to load it to find out what was in there to see if I could even do what they wanted. All I care now is if you've got an open REST API and it covers the majority of your platform, then then we can rock and I, I can automate whatever you want. And that was, you know, always the true promise with PowerShell. And once you've learned that, then the sky's the limit. Uh, Kyle Murley asks, are there any Postman crutches out there for the vSphere API? Postman crutches. So I don't use that myself, um, but I'm... Uh, if there are, then great, and if they're not, then go create them. But I am straight up. I just use Swagger, PowerShell, ISC, and I don't use any tools outside of that. I keep it simple, and it just works. Do you find any, and this is me asking, uh, do you find any problems using the uh, Linux or Mac version of PowerShell? The, I guess the core is what it's called. Yeah. So actually, I didn't. I, sorry, I did start to cover that at this uh, at the beginning. So if you are using PowerShell six on a non-Windows operating system, two things. One, I said you, you need to remove this .NET class for removing the certificate exemption, and there is actually a new um, variable that you can put on invoke rest method, where it is. I think it's like skip. A certificate something or a check or something like that it's something like that and if you want to know more on that or take any example that I've pre-written and then convert it to 6.0 then I did put a post on it so working with rest APIs in PowerShell course 6.0 so you can go to this blog post and I, oh, that's it 
So it that's all you got to do is on your invoke web request or REST method, just add skip certificate check, remove this, and th the exact same examples I've given you here will will work no problem. So it is pretty painless to convert all of your scripts to run in 6.0 and then work absolutely no problem on any operating system that you throw. So there you go. I like there you go. I copied that, pasted it there. Now this is a PowerShell core script that can run on anything. So pretty simple. That's great. Yeah. So this would be a way to get around if, say, one of your if you're using Power CLI, but there's a module that doesn't work in yeah uh, core. I run into that a few times. Yeah, I, I agree. I you know I'm not gonna lie. I, I did a little dance when PowerShell core slash 6.0 came out because as soon as I figured out that every single script that I've ever written just needs those small tweaks, then that for me or, or kind of vindicated that I choose to try and avoid vendor PowerShell modules where I can because I don't need to wait for the vendor to give me a new module compatible. I, I made it myself because I'm going straight to the API. Yes, that's very powerful. So it looks and, like... And one other thing I'd say there, you know, you can argue that yes, the script is longer because you know it's not all the complexity isn't encapsulated in a function. But if you want to wrap this in your own function, then great. So you know it's pretty easy to do. But on the flip side, that you've learned how to fish rather than just being given the fish. So I, that's also something that I like to preach. Yeah, it looks like Cal found a. Uh, postman thing so if anybody's interested in that let me know or Kyle go ahead and tweet it out I'll retweet you and I uh, think everybody else is settled so if you want to tell us where to get a hold of you and ask you questions and and pester you about getting a look at your yeah. live more so I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm just about to. So if you go to virtuallysober.com and you hang on the blog for what, more than one minute, then you're actually going to get Drift pop-up, which is a really cool chatbot. My, my wife actually works for the, the company, probably the coolest company in Boston right now. And there, it basically connects you to me, and you can leave a message, start chatting with me. So if you've got any questions, then feel free to drop on the blog and just start chatting to me here, or you can, of course tweet at Joshua Stenhouse and I'll, I'll come back to you there. But those are the best two ways and I'll come back to you as soon as I can at all times. One last question came in. Graham asks, is the beer still cold? I actually already switched to gin and tonic. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, great. So enjoy your, uh, your gin and tonic and everyone else. Thanks for joining us for tonight's, episode we appreciate it and uh, have a good evening thanks tom